As you know, Timothy is primarily a book about leadership. As uh, Mark was preaching, has been preaching in Kara last week, uh, it's primarily about leadership, but those principles apply to every one of us. Because at minimum, you're leading yourself. Okay? But most of us will have a much bigger impact. In fact, one of the things I felt as we were praying earlier was that God's wanting to enlarge us. Enlarge you as people. Enlarge your vision for the kingdom. Enlarge your love for Jesus. Enlarge your capacity for the Spirit. But also to enlarge you as a church. Not about numbers, but about impact. Numbers is kind of a byproduct of everything else. Where there's life, things grow. Too often the church in America focuses on growth rather than focusing on Jesus and letting His life. Growth is always a byproduct. It's not a main product. But the church in America has made it the main goal, and I don't know why I'm saying that, because I'm trying to get to Timothy. (laughs) Mark told me when we prayed that I could have as much time as I wanted. I've got a witness here. But he said, I absolutely have to be finished by midnight. He did say that. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Kara talked about uh, conducting yourself last week and reflecting Jesus. I want to talk about the pillar and ground of truth a little bit. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, And the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Verse 6, But if you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Verse 11, These things command and teach... Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in faith, in spirit, sorry, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Verse 16, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, doing this, that you will say both yourself and those who hear you. Paul seems to make an important issue that in the latter days, truth is a key, not only for us, but for those that we impact. Okay? It not only will save ourselves, but those who hear us. Every one of us have the opportunity to speak to people. Do we represent Jesus? Do we represent the plan and purpose of God? Or are we representing some great thing we've read? Acts chapter 20, Paul gathers the leaders, and in verse 25, he says, And indeed, now I know that, uh, sorry, verse 26, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. He says, basically, I haven't just given you good stuff. There's a whole lot in the Bible about people wanting to hear certain things and have their ears tickled. But he says, I didn't draw back from sharing with you the whole counsel of God. Which means that there is a pressure to draw back. There is a pressure not to declare the whole counsel. Why? Because 
people don't often want to hear it. They want to hear certain parts. Okay? But it's understanding the whole plan of God, that word counsel or plan, understanding the whole plan of God and what He's doing is what keeps us on track when it comes to doctrine and truth. Now, fortunately, Jesus gave a whole lot of different gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And those gifts are quite different. So my gift is probably a little bit different than other guys on the team that you've had come. So uh, I'll try and make it as exciting as possible. I get excited about the Word. And so when I get excited, I often speak fast. I don't know why it works that way. I want to just give you a few minute overview of the whole plan of God. Okay? We're going to give you ten minutes of the whole Bible and then we're going to come back to First Timothy. Okay? Called the original plan of God, which Mark referred to two weeks ago. Those of you who were here and remember. Genesis chapter 1. Start at the very beginning. I'll preach through the whole Bible in ten minutes. <laughs> chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Two words appear three times in those scriptures. Image, we're made in His image and rule or dominion. And we can understand from that that we're made in God's image to have relationship with Him. That's part of why we're made, but we're also made to have rulership. Okay, let me see if I can illustrate this for you so that you you remember it. Mike, will you you stand over here? Help me out. Tiffany, will you stand over there? Face this way. No, no. Face this way. Okay. You know what a timeline is? Okay. This is a timeline. This is the beginning of human history. And this is the culmination of human history. Okay. What do you have at the beginning of human history? God made man. And He made him with a purpose. The end of the book talks about a bride for Christ. That's the culmination. That's the goal. And so when God made man, He had this view in mind. So He made man with certain characteristics. What? The ability to have relationship and rulership. Because ultimately, we're going to become a bride for the King of the universe. So He made us with those two things. That was God's original plan. Both of those. Okay, you guys great. Thank you. You, you stood there really, really well. Could you understand that? You need to grasp both of those because many people haven't and they misunderstand whole parts of the Bible. God made us for relationship and in that relationship for rulership. That was the plan. But then sin came in and both were lost. Relationship and rulership. So Satan is now called the what? The God of this world wasn't how God made it. But when we lost relationship, we could no longer rule. So the story of the Bible is the story of God's restoring that original plan. 
Okay, not just in marriage, in marriage as well, which Mark shared a couple weeks ago, but in the bigger picture for relationship and for rulership so that there will be a bride for Christ. You still with me there? Okay? We see that restoration in two parts. We call it the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay? We see it in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel as a whole. And then we see it in the New Testament with every individual. Okay? Now, why does it work that way? Because God's revelation is progressive. How have you, when you went to school, learned trigonometry in first grade? Nobody. Why? In order to understand trigonometry, you had to start with addition and subtraction and multiplication. And eventually, as your understanding grows, it gets more complicated. In the same way, God, in restoring His plan and revelation about Himself, had to start with some basics. So what we see is a progressive revelation in the Bible. Now, why why am I saying that? I had a guy tell me a couple years ago, he said, uh, I like the God of the New Testament better than the God of the Old Testament. And I went, well, you really don't understand the Bible, do you? Same God. But it seems like in the Old Testament, it's more about justice and righteousness. In the New Testament, it's more about love and mercy. And I like that part. But see, God is all of that. You have to understand righteousness if you're going to understand love. Which is another sermon which I won't get into today. So what do you see in the Old Testament? You see the tabernacle, which represents relationship with God, His presence. He had to build the tabernacle. But you also see God wanting them to have a land which represents rulership. Now, if it's only about relationship, they didn't need a land. They were serving God fine. Wandering in the wilderness for 40 years with this tabernacle. The presence of God was there. They didn't need a place. But it wasn't just about relationship. It was about relationship and rulership. So when we come to the New Testament, we see that applied to every one of us. Knowing Jesus and partnering with Him to extend His kingdom. The king and his kingdom. It's about knowing him. But it's also about his kingdom being extended. Both of those things. That's what we were made for. You're still with me? John 17.3 says, This is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God and the Son whom you sent. Not that they know about you. Interesting, if you read that in the uh, New World Translation, which is the Jehovah's Witnesses, which is not a translation, but it's some guy's own made-up stuff, that scripture says, this is eternal life, that they take in a knowledge of you. Religion has no relationship. It has rules and regulations and knowledge. But Jesus made us for relationship. Paul says in Philippians 3 that knowing Christ is the greatest thing. To know Him, He suffered the loss of all things and counted as rubbish that He might gain Christ. Relationship. Now let me make a key point for you. I'm sure you'll understand this, but it's imperative that you understand it for where we're going to go in a few minutes. Relationship is all about grace. It's what God has done. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. There is nothing that is required of us except to respond to His love. It is His grace. You got that? I'm sure you've heard Mark preach on grace. 
It is all about what He has done. Jesus has done it and it's complete. But rulership or extending the kingdom is about partnership. It's about being led by the Spirit. It's about hearing God's voice. It's about obeying what He says. We don't obey in order to have relationship. We obey because that's how we partner with God to see His kingdom extended. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 says, You were called that you might obey. Now, if you only apply that to relationship and grace, you think, oh, well, I'm obeying so that I can earn God's favor. And that's where people have got it wrong. They've limited it to just relationship. And so because they've limited it to relationship and they've understood grace, they've actually written off whole parts of the Bible that talk about anything that we have to do in partnership. No, you don't have to pray. No, prayer is you're trying to earn God's favor. No, prayer is partnering with God to see His kingdom extended. Do you understand that? A lot of guys have have so focused on the relationship and the grace that they're saying, no, this part of the Bible you don't need. This part you don't need. All this stuff that has anything for us to do because they're saying, if you have to do something, it's not grace. But let me tell you, when it comes to relationship, it is grace. But when it comes to ministry, rulership, extending the kingdom, it's a partnership. Important that you grasp, grasp that. Because both are necessary. The thing about extending the kingdom is that it's a supernatural kingdom and it's extended supernaturally. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. So God wasn't messing around when He said, I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do we need the Holy Spirit to have relationship with God? Yes. But we don't need power to have relationship. We need power to extend the kingdom. You receive power to what? Be my witnesses. So God realized we had a task and we needed help. You still with me? Matthew 4.23. Let me just read this to you. I have one of these uh, really early model iPads. Doesn't have a backlight. Matthew 4.23 says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. Forty other times talks about preaching the gospel and healing talks about the the kingdom being advanced supernaturally and we're seeing that all over the world God's at work advancing his kingdom and you get the privilege of being a part of that problem with the uh, advancing of the super of the supernatural kingdom supernaturally is that it takes faith And that's what I actually want to talk about. All this has been introduction, so thank you for being patient <laughs> with my introduction. Back to First uh, Timothy. One Timothy four twelve. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, 
in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I want to just talk about faith this evening. And I want to talk about it from the context of everything I just shared with you. Okay? And so maybe you've heard, you probably have heard a lot of preaching about faith. And it's probably been very good. Put that in a drawer somewhere for right now. Pretend you've never heard this before, okay? So otherwise, you do what I do. As soon as someone says, well, I'm going to share on this, you go to the file cabinet in your memory and you pull out that file and you say, no, he's going to say this, 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 this. I've already got those notes. How many of you do that in your thinking? Okay? Put it away. You're going to have different notes tonight. Examples to the believers of faith. I want to talk to you about faith that releases the supernatural. Now, this is a summary of a whole lot of what I just told you. Okay? So, uh, it's not one scripture that we're going to deal on. But I want, to, want you to understand this. Faith that releases the supernatural has three parts or ingredients. has three parts. And you need all three. Okay, those three parts are revelation, relationship, and response. You guys help me out again? Stand here. Mary? Yep. Tiffany, stand in the middle here. Actually, uh, Jay, did you come? Mary, you sit down. Jay, did you come? Okay. Just to help you in my explanation, this is revelation. This is relationship. And this is response. Okay? Because I'm going to talk about those and I'm going to point to them so you understand what I'm talking about. I tend to do this when I talk. I have pictures in my mind and I'm seeing the picture but nobody else is. (laughs) Don't know what that means. Revelation. The part of faith is revelation is the truth or the foundation for belief. But we add to that hearing God's voice because we're made for relationship. And then we add to that our response. That we respond because we're in partnership with God. We respond to what He says. Okay, you guys stay right here. You guys are doing great. You're trying to take notes. You're not getting a chance to, huh? I'm messing up your whole plan. Let me illustrate this in prophecy. Revelation. You gotta believe that God speaks today. Okay? If you don't believe God speaks, you can't hear God give a word of prophecy. Why? Because there's no foundation of belief. There's no, uh, truth for God to speak into. But the fact that you believe that God speaks today is not prophecy. You believe that God speaks, but then you have to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. So the fact that I believe God speaks today doesn't mean I have a word of God for Mark. I've got to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. That's why I'm moving from these guys, okay? Just so you understand, I'm talking about relationship now. The Holy Spirit speaks into the pool of our revelation. Do you understand what I mean by that? If I don't believe in prophecy, I can't hear the Holy Spirit say, I want to say this to Mark. But having heard the Holy Spirit say, say, I have a word for Mark, doesn't bless him unless I respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying. The problem is that many of us have been taught 
that all we need is revelation and not relationship. See, I was taught that. The problem with that is that if I believe it's just my revelation and not relationship, applying this prophecy again, I believe God speaks today and so I'm going to have a word for Mark. What happens? I'm not hearing the Holy Spirit. I'm speaking out of my own heart. You still with me? I'm acting on the principle, but not the relationship. You're still there? Do you see this so far? I know I'm challenging you with this. So revelation is the foundational belief that comes from what God says in His Word. Relationship is what the Holy Spirit is saying now for this moment. And then response is my willingness to partner with God and obey what He's saying. Okay, you still with me? Thanks, guys. I'm going to have to stop for a few minutes because Mike's got to catch up on his notes. Please understand this. This applies in a whole lot of areas. It applies in healing. Does Jesus heal today? Yes, He does. Why? Because healing is part of His atonement. That's the foundational truth. But Jesus said this. He only does what He hears the Father saying. John 5.19 Jesus says, I do nothing of myself. The uh, Revised Standard Version says, I do nothing of my own initiative or my own authority. But only what I see the Father saying, 5.30, only what I hear the Father saying, five times in John, Jesus says, I do nothing of my own initiative. This is God. What is He saying? Does He have the revelation? Yes. But we're made for relationship. Not just to act according to truth, religious ideas, principles, but to hear God. So Jesus preached the gospel and healed the sick. Why? Because he heard God say, I want to heal this person. And then he responded. You still with me? Are you getting that? Romans ten seventeen. You know the scripture. It says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I was raised in a fundamentally evangelical church, and I was taught, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. That's what I was taught. It was only much later until I realized that's not what it says. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. That word, Word, is utterance. So faith comes by hearing the utterance of God. So I have a foundation of truth because of the Bible, because of the Word. But then I hear God say something He wants to do right now. And when does faith come? Not when I have the foundation of truth, but when I hear the Holy Spirit. Faith comes. And then I respond. The problem is when I'm responding to the principle alone without the relationship and something doesn't go how I think it should, I get shaken. I was taught healings in the atonement. Pardon me. 
Healing is in the atonement, and it is. But see, I grew up in a fundamental evangelical church that didn't talk about relationship, just talked about the principles, the truth. And so we were applying the truth without hearing what the Holy Spirit was saying. And the problem is, I prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed. And so we then start making excuses to maintain the principle. We start making excuses. They didn't have enough faith. They had sin in their life. Jesus never did that. He never said to someone, sorry, you can't get healed. You've got sin in your life. In fact, he healed sinners all the time. It had nothing to do with their... It had all to do with hearing what the Holy Spirit was saying. You're still there? A couple years ago, Mary and I were at at a church in California. uh, And I was sharing on just hearing God's voice. And I felt before I came to the service that God told me that there was somebody who had a problem with their wrist <clears throat> and uh, that he wanted to heal. And Mary got up immediately and said, you know, I felt God say that there was somebody who had a cyst that God wanted to heal. And this lady in the back jumps up and says, that's me, that's me, I have a cyst on my wrist. And she really had a cyst on her wrist that stood up at least a half an inch. She'd had it for 19 years. And so she's all excited. So Mary goes back to back to, to pray for her while I'm still preaching. Interrupting my preaching. No. <laughs> she goes to pray for her, lays hands on it, and instantly it's gone. And the lady's running around the church saying, God's healed me. Look at my wrist. Look at my wrist. And everyone knew her. She's part of the church. She'd had it for 19 years. It wasn't like it was hidden. Why did God decide then to heal? heal? I have no idea. Except he did. What happened? It was the revelation and the relationship that brought faith. As soon as that word was spoken, she knew it was for her. And she responded. And God healed her. A couple of years ago, we lived in Australia for uh, 15 years. And a couple of years ago, my mom came to visit. And just before she came, she had been cleaning the oven and got uh, oven cleaner in her eyes and uh, which is not a good thing to do let me recommend don't do that but it caused all kinds of problems and eventually over a number of months it had actually damaged her eyes and and that had happened a number of months before she came to the point that she actually had to get new glasses because she what her uh, sight was a whole lot worse than it had been before and she was praying while she was flying to Australia to come visit us and said, God, will you heal my eyes? And she felt the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, when you're in Australia, I'll heal your eyes. So she comes and she comes to the church and we're doing a class on uh, healing. And one of the people just felt like they had a word of knowledge that God wanted to heal eyes. So she said that. I feel like God's saying he wants to heal eyes. Well, my mom was sitting about toward the back and she jumped up and ran down the aisle. Why? Because she knew this was for her. And you know what? She was healed. Why did it take that long? I don't know. Why did God heal her on the plane? I don't know. Except that He made us for relationship. And we need to understand that the extension of the kingdom is tied to relationship. Matthew 7 
chapter 7, Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not heal the sick and raise the dead? And he'll say, Be gone away from me. I never knew you, you sons of lawlessness. What does that mean? It means it's not what we do that's important. It's our relationship. The results are up to him. How many of you know that you can't heal anybody? I figured that out. It's not my faith. There have been times I've been full of faith. And nothing happened. And there have been times I had absolutely no faith. I was praying with a pastor in South Africa a few years ago for a lady who had problems in her back. And I'll be honest, neither one of us had any faith. We talked about it afterwards. It was like, okay, we're supposed to do this, so we will. And we're praying for her, and she goes, and you can literally hear her back popping. And then she goes running around the house, totally healed. And we were kind of going, (laughs) it wasn't my faith. It was the power of God. I think God's looking for relationship. Even as we say that intimacy. He wants His kingdom extended, but He wants to do it in relationship. He never intended you to know how to do it. That's why He gave us the Holy Spirit. We think if I go to school, if I go to seminary, if I get enough education, if I get enough knowledge, if I learn enough principles, then I will know how to work for God. Let me tell you, He doesn't want you to work for Him. Ever. He wants you to work with Him. It's a big difference. We were talking about this in our church in Australia a few years ago. One of the gals in the church ran her own business and she went to the accountant. And as she goes to the accountant, uh, he's still finishing up with the previous client. So the receptionist says, just take a seat and he'll be with you in a few minutes. And as she sits down, the Holy Spirit says, I want you to pray for that gal. She looks at her. She's got a skin de- uh, deal, uh, eczema on her neck and her hands. Says, I want you to go pray for her. And this gal in our church, her name is Raquel. Raquel says, oh God, I don't want to do that. I don't have faith. Nothing's going to happen. I'll be so embarrassed. Have you ever tried to reason with the Holy Spirit? You know what he does? He just says, I want you to pray for that woman. <laughs> Doesn't argue. He, does, he just says, so she said, I don't, she said, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to pray for that woman. She went, oh. okay. She knew she was hearing God, but she also knew she didn't have faith. So she tells the lady, you know, I see you have this. Is, can I pray for you? Now, in Australia, if you offer to pray for someone, they think, Australians think that the next time you go to church, you'll light a candle or something and you'll pray for them. They don't expect you to pray for them right, right then. And the guy said, yeah, if you want to. So Raquel right there takes her hands. And prays for her. And you know what happens? Nothing. Nothing. And Raquel goes over and sits down and says, God, I told you nothing was going to happen. And the Holy Spirit said, well done, good and faithful servant. Your only responsibility is to obey. Because you can't heal anyone. Great story. Gets better. 
48 hours later, two days later, she gets a call on the phone. It's this receptionist. You've healed me! You've healed me! She said, wait, wait, wait. I didn't heal you, but tell me what happened. Receptionist woke up the next morning, totally healed. Waited 24 hours to call her to see if it was really healing. Yeah, I was 36 years old. Had had this eczema from the time she was six. 30 years. Raquel said, I didn't heal you. It was clear to her that it wasn't her. She said, no, Jesus healed you. Can we have lunch? I'll tell you about it. Why did God wait 48 hours? Or 24 hours, sorry. Why didn't he heal her instantly? Why did it take overnight? I have no clue. If I were God, I would have just done it right then. But you know what? The issue wasn't so much when, but the issue was for Raquel that she was willing to obey. See, it's revelation, it's relationship, and then it's response. God wants to use us to extend His kingdom supernaturally. He'll give us a understanding but then He'll also speak to us. And you don't have to go into the hospital and pray for every sick person. You just have to pray for the ones Jesus tells you to pray for. A few years ago, when we were still leading the church in Australia, a gal asked me to go to the hospital and pray for her father who had really bad arthritis. So much so they could hardly move, could not get up and downstairs. And I had learned a principle that sometimes arthritis is associated with bitterness or unforgiveness. And I knew a little bit of this guy's story from his daughter that of something that had happened to him in the past. So I'm driving to the hospital thinking, yeah, this guy's bitter and, un- and has unforgiveness and, and uh, you know, God wants to set him free from that. And as I walk into the hospital room, the Holy Spirit says, very clearly to me, this guy's not bitter and there's no unforgiveness. You would think I'd be excited. I was, oh, God, there goes my whole game plan. What do I do now? I had my principle and I have nothing but relationship. So we're supposed to pray. So we begin to pray. And I find myself praying, breaking curses spoken over him by other Christians. And at the end, after we pray, he said, why did you pray that? I said, because my game plan went out the window when I walked in the door and I didn't know except that the Holy Spirit said to pray this. And then he began to share about some of the things that had been spoken over him by other Christians in his past that he had forgiven but not realizing there was an authority. The next morning he was totally healed. My game plan, my principle wouldn't have accomplished what God wanted. Sometimes people ask for prayer for healing. But there's something else that's a root. And the sickness is just the fruit. Now what happens when you pull the fruit off a tree? You get get rid of the fruit. But the next year all the fruit comes back. God wants to deal with the root. Too often we focus on the fruit because that's what someone says. This is what I need. But we need to actually say, okay, I have a revelation, but I also need the Holy Spirit. See, the problem in ministry is that when we start out, we often don't know anything. At least I didn't. So I would pray, okay, God, what do I do? Someone would come in for, for counsel, and I have no clue. 
And I'm praying, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you. And God gives me some word of wisdom and I share it with them and it's, it's amazing and it's the Holy Spirit and, and they're set free and it's awesome. Five years later, someone comes in and I've seen the same thing 20 times. It's very easy to think, oh, I know what to do. This is the problem. Based on what? My experience or my knowledge. And as soon as that happens, God's going to mess us up because He made us for relationship. And when we grasp that, we have the privilege of being a part of what He's doing. Revelation, relationship, and response. Be examples in faith. It's not what we stir up. It's what happens when the Holy Spirit speaks into the revelation that we've got from His Word of what He wants to do now. Amen? So what does that mean for us? A couple things. First, it means this. I believe God wants to set some of us free from a focus on ourself. See, one of the byproducts of having a revelation without relationship is that the focus becomes us. If I only had more faith, they'd be healed. If I only was holy, as soon as God says someone needs prayer for healing or something, I think of, well, but I yelled at my wife on the way to church today. Oh, I'm not holy enough. And that thing subtly shifts the focus from the awesomeness of God to me. Do I have the ability? Do I have enough faith? What level of faith I have? Let me tell you this. You only have to have enough faith to obey. That's all. Because it's not your faith that does it. See, the subtle shift is if it's your faith, then you get some of the credit. And so pretty soon, guys who are moving in healing begin to feel puffed up with pride because people say, oh, you must be an awesome man of God. Man of faith. Yeah, I had enough faith to obey. It's not my faith that heals people. It's Jesus. That's all the faith we have to have. So there's a subtle shift that God wants to break. And that shift is that we get focused on us rather than on Him. And so when we do hear the Holy Spirit say something, we immediately begin to discount, but God, I can't, you can't use me. God, it would have to be someone else. You're a star. I was hoping you would bring that over for me. Thanks, AJ. Hebrews 12.2 says, looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher, the beginning and end of our faith. You want to know how to have faith? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, on His ability and walk in relationship with Him, what He wants to do. One of my favorite scriptures is in 1 Kings. It says, Heaven and the highest heavens can't contain you. Now that's a great little scripture. Until you realize what it means, that God is greater than the whole universe. And I did a study once about the universe. 
and how big it is. It's beyond what we can comprehend. But God is greater. See, when my focus is on His greatness, and He says He wants to do something, then it's easy. But when my focus is on me, anything is too big. It doesn't come down to, am I holy enough? Do I have enough faith? It's God, what do you want to do? And I believe there's, there's some here that God wants to just set you free from that focus and get your eyes back on Him. And then you get the privilege of being a part of what He's doing. Second response is that I believe that there's something of God wanting to bring boldness. Not boldness in our flesh, but boldness to speak out and obey what the Holy Spirit's saying. There's some of you sitting here right now, you've heard the Holy Spirit say something, but you haven't responded. God's had a, a word of prophecy for somebody. And the Holy Spirit's spoken to you, this is what I want to say, and you've just sat there and said, not me. And you've eventually he'll find somebody else. But you miss out. And I believe that there's something that God is wanting to release of boldness once again. Guys, this is not boldness in my flesh. I'm going to go grab people by the collar and tell them about Jesus. Boldness to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. Heard a story in Australia. Heard it secondhand. I wasn't there, but it's exciting anyway. This guy was driving down the street and he said the, felt the Holy Spirit say, go into that uh, little uh, store. And go over to the Coke machine and stand on your head. And he went, that's ridiculous. And drove past. Holy Spirit said, I'm speaking to you. Drove around the block three times. Until he finally went, okay, God, I, I don't care if I look like an idiot. Stops the car. Goes into the little store. Goes over to the Coke machine. Stands on his head. And the gal behind the counter bursts into tears. She had been that day contemplating suicide. But he said, God, I'm going to kill myself unless you're real. If you're real, have someone come in and stand on their head by the Coke machine. Stupid. But a loving God found somebody who would respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That he can touch people. Boldness. Boldness.